0: Chapter 13 Elven Wine Sunrise beckons Fadar and Jantis out of their accommodations early so they can make their way to the throne room, leaving the other four asleep in their rooms. As ambassadors to both the Forest of Garvin and the Kingdom of Birsh, it lays in their hands to discuss a course of action that can produce a fruitful relationship between the three countries and their allies. Sleeping longer crosses their minds, but neither girl knows what the day has in store for them, So like clockwork, Tatiana and Beth get up to start their day. Both girls wear one of Bersh's military skirts consisting of leather lappets sewn into a maroon wool skirt that reaches just above their knees. Protecting their abdomen is a custom-designed garvin breastplate made from the interwoven leaves of the budding moon, the only tree in Azarus to open its blossoms at night. These leaves, after being interwoven, were nigh unbreakable even stronger than most basic forms of steel. Finishing their look are black lace sandals that strap up to the knees. The differences in their weapons form the only distinguishable changes in each other's outfits. Beth chooses to wear a black belt at her waist to house both of her swords, one on either side of her. Tatiana, on the other hand, utilizes a tan strap across her chest to hold her shield against her back and her sword against her left hip. Just as the two girls finish lacing their sandals, a knock sounds at the door. Hello? Beth asks as Tatiana just stares at the door in both shock and panic. Good morning, it's Artemis. I was wondering if you two would care to join me and Sane for the day as we go about the city. Beth shakes her head no as Tatiana responds, We'd love to. I don't want to, Beth whispers. We're going. We could use some girl time, she whispers back. Sane isn't a girl, she folds her arm as her sister just glares back at her. Ugh, fine, Beth responds, disheartened. As the two girls saunter out of their room, they're greeted by the two tall elves. Artemis smiles before looking over their attire. First, you two need some new clothes,' Sane sighs at the mention of more clothes shopping as he remembers the Valley Dwarf who had helped them last time. "'What's wrong with my clothes?' Beth asks, looking herself over. "'I always wear this.' "'It's actually quite elegant for a warrior, but you're guests now, so you both should wear something that will make your beauty stand out,' Artemis explains. "'We'll try it,' Tatiana offers. "'If I find something, can I bring it back?' "'Beth asks, thinking about Reuben. "'You may certainly keep it, but it will take a few days to arrive. "'Just in time for the royal ball.' "'Both girls look at each other eyes wide. "'We aren't attending any ball while we're here,' Tatiana explains. "'Actually, you are, so let's go pick you out something nice to wear.' "'Um, okay,' they both reply hesitantly. "'After arriving at the merchant's district,' Artemis brings them to the same tailor shop that she brought Sane to a month earlier. Upon seeing Sane, the tailor's eyes dull in disappointment. Then the two girls catch his eyes. Strutting over to them, Ives grabs both of their hands, kissing each hand twice. Beth and Tatiana look at each other, growing uncomfortable with the situation, and then to the dwarf in front of them. His eyes stare deeply at them, looking over the top of his glasses. Artemis, my future queen, you bring joy to my heart when you bring me your lovely friends, not those wretched guards you call men, the tailor emphasizes, looking directly at Sane. I thought you might appreciate some eye candy instead of what I brought you last time, she apologizes. I'm standing right here, Sane interrupts, completely ignorant of what he has done wrong. Yes, we know, Ives admits, rolling his eyes at Sane's existence. Now, what is your name, my dear? He asks smoothly, while grabbing the girl's hands once again. Tatiana. Ah, named after the legendary fairy queen. How befitting. But my goodness, your hands are so rough and strong. What by a dragon's claw do you do to them? Well, I'm a warrior of Garvin, so I fight, she answers plainly. Not today. Today you're princesses. Ives tells her, making her smile. "'What's your favorite color?' He then asks her, but before she can answer, his attention turns to another. "'You, my dear, aren't you breathtaking?' he asks Beth rhetorically, his eyes glistening with excitement. "'And what is your name?' "'Elizabeth,' she offers hesitantly with a smile. "'The oath of the kings,' Ives smiles back. Artemis looks up at her betrothed. "'Aren't they just adorable?' she asks." Sure, for humans they aren't bad, Sane admits. Absolutely, and what is your favorite color? Ives asks, looking between the two of them and waiting intensely. Four hours slip by before the two girls find a dress for the ball. Leaving the dwarf's clothing store behind, both girls wear garments befitting of their beauty. Tatiana wears a red blouse that accents her auburn hair nicely with a white skirt, and Beth now wears a bright green buttoned-up blouse and brown skirt. Even Sane is impressed with how Ives managed to brighten up these two soldiers of Garvin and turn them into women of Cortes. The next two places we'll be visiting are the Shoemaker and Jewelry Stores. The Jewelry Store is supplied with gems from the Mountain of Dwee, Artemis explains excitedly. The dresses Ives helped you each to pick out helps emphasize the girl, but the shoes and jewelry help to complement the dress. By the time the group leaves the merchant's district, Tatiana and Beth have a full outfit ready for the coronation ball, in addition to the clothes they are wearing now. Beth steps confidently in her new clothes, hoping that Reuben might notice her for once, hoping he might finally see her as a woman, rather than as the sister he treats her as. As the sun sets, beyond the mountains of Dwee to the west, the stars spread out across the night sky and the four new friends find themselves at a restaurant two blocks down from the palace. It's a tall building, five stories high, with four columns in the front holding out the next floor balcony. Grapevines cover each column, giving it a very natural feel. Its dark green vines produce a very sour but visually striking light green grape. Hanging Gardens is written across the sign out front a great place for food and elven wine. Sitting at the table while waiting for their food and drinks, Artemis looks at the two girls. Do all human males look like him? She questions. What? Tatiana asks in response. Male humans, are they all as confident and strong-willed as Reuben? You think he's attractive? She asks in response. Yes, but not my question, Artemis answers as Sane sits there shaking his head. Well, no... But there are many men more attractive than him, she finally answers. Really? Beth shakes her head no, not looking at anyone and honestly trying not to be seen. You admire Reuben too, don't you? Artemis asks as Beth's face turns strawberry red. Yeah, she responds hesitantly. No, Tatiana states fiercely. Sane looks at Tatiana curiously. No? Beth looks at her sister's face of disapproval. Tatiana glares back at her. "'You can do way better than Reuben,' she decides for her sister. "'Why do you dislike him so much?' "'He's a jerk half the time and he needs to grow up first, Tatiana answers angrily. "'Beth looks at her. "'He's only a jerk to you because you act the same way to him. "'And yes, he has some things to work on, but he's well-meaning.' "'Tatiana's anger flares up. "'So because you don't care for the human, she's automatically banned from liking him?' Saint asks. "'Yes.' Tatiana answers forcefully. And how is that fair, exactly? It's for her own safety. Decided by you? Artemis looks at both of them before deciding to ignore their conversation and continue on with her own. He seems nice. He is. He's always doing things for others, including Tatiana, Beth points out. I don't like him, and I don't trust him, Tatiana explains. I'm not talking to you about him, now am I? Artemis asks pointedly. Tatiana slides down her chair and folds her arms in a childish irritation. Now, I've read a lot about humans. I think you're all very fascinating, but he seems quite different from what I've read, Artemis explains. What do you mean? Beth asks. Oh, it must be nothing if you two haven't noticed anything peculiar. Early that morning, Reuben stumbles throughout the palace hallways, alone and bored. Coming to the girls' room, he notices they are still asleep and quietly moves on. Fadar and Jantus are in yet another meeting with the queen, discussing important political matters, so he doesn't seek them out. Than is still in the medical chambers, having his bandages replaced since he had hurt himself entering Cortesia's outer districts. Not even Sane or Artemis seems to be around on the palace grounds. It isn't until he stops to peer out one of the massive hall windows that he finds something to cure his boredom with. On the back side of the palace, he sees the guards' training grounds stationed on the northern end of the palace opposite the front door. The barracks and training grounds are carefully hidden from public view, with a stone wall surrounding the area. With the front door of the palace facing south so as to receive sunlight during all hours of the day, the training barracks received very little sun. As a result, the grounds were void of grass and any other flora. All that grew there were weeds and the egos of trainees. "'May I join?' Reuben asks the elf, leading the training regimen. The tall elf scratches his hairless chin, his beady brown eyes staring and examining every inch of the human that stood before him. "'Who are you, human?' "'No games. I know you watched us come in through the palace doors yesterday. "'But in case you're just inquiring of my name, my name is Reuben, and I'm a knight of Bursch. "'That much is obvious,' the elf stands, eyeing the boy." You may join, but if you cause any disruption, you will be asked to leave. I understand, uh, sir... Orestes, thank you. Immediately, Reuben notices he is by far the shortest person on the field, something he's not used to. Each elf is far over six feet in height, the tallest possibly being six-eight or ten. Orestes blows a trumpet, and the guards segregate into two groups, one for archers and the other for swordsmen. His crossbow is severely frowned upon, but his accuracy matches that of the best on the grounds. The gears turn after every shot, loading another bolt into the groove. Pulling the lever back with smooth and quick precision, Reuben manages to impress the Elven Guard, even if only a little. Still, it isn't until he shows off his swordsmanship that he gains the recognition of the Elven Guards. Your crossbow is slow and definitely cheating, but your swordsmanship is... it's unique. I think I can speak for the rest of the elves when I say I am thoroughly impressed. One of the guards admits as he begins to clap. Orestes marches over from the center of the field. Reynard, you seem to have taken a liking to this human. Why don't you test his overall fighting ability? As you say, Captain. Reynard strolls over to the line of practice weapons, picking up two practice swords. Reynard faces Reuben, who picks up only one. Reuben sees his sword and crosses his arms as Reynard takes a stance similar to that of Beth, open with both swords drawn. The only real difference between Reynard and Beth's fighting style is Reynard's height and the power behind his swing. Both things make Reynard a dangerous opponent. Reuben stands tall, studying his opponent, trying to find his weak spot. He wonders if fighting Reynard would be similar to fighting Beth. Maybe he can even help her further her techniques by watching him. Reynard charges him just as Beth would. However, knowing his opponent to be bigger than him, Reuben steps aside, dodging. Calculating the amount of time it takes for the elf to regain his pose and continue, he waits. Turning around, Reynard regains his composure and does what any good warrior will he changes his attack pattern. Rushing forward again, he stops, sweeping his left sword across the air, narrowly missing Reuben. In response, Reuben pulls out his sword and swings it, both hands, gripping tight toward the elf's legs. Reynard drops to the ground, landing hard on his back. "'When did you become so fast?' Reynard asks, breathing heavily from falling on his back. "'I've always been that fast.' Then why did you only get third in swordsmanship, Reynard asks, as he forces himself to stand. Because I'm not actually that great of a swordsman. I just know how to predict my opponent's movement. A very rare gift to be so adept in, Arestus adds, commending Reuben. One that will serve you well. Thank you, sir. One more try, Reynard asks, confident in his abilities. One more, Arrestus allows. Reuben, this time knowing his opponent's style, takes the stance of a lone warrior, both hands on his sword, straight in front of him. Reynard takes the same stance as earlier, open with both swords drawn. Reynard jumps forward and plants his feet, taking Reuben by surprise. You aren't the only one that's quick on his feet, Reynard assures him with a smile. Putting all his strength into his sword, he pushes back on the elf, who instead of pushing back, relaxes and allows Reuben to tumble forward. Turning around, Reuben faces his opponents and readies his stance. Reynard runs forward, but then feints to the left and goes right at blinding speed. Positioning his sword for the final blow, Reuben keeps up with the elf's movement, but hesitates and drops his guard, thus getting smacked in the side by Reynard's sword. Gotcha, Reynard points out. Impressive footwork, Reynard, Orestus applauds. Human, do you know why you lost? You hesitated. In a real battle, it could mean your life, he points out bluntly. Only after sunset does Reuben begin to make his way back to the main palace. Returning to the palace lobby and heading for the stairwell, he can hear the main doors open. Ha! I've been looking for you, a staggering voice yells from behind him. Reuben quickly turns around to find an unexpectedly small person with curly light brown hair covering her face stumbling toward him. "'Excuse me?' he replies to the person. "'You think she's pretty, don't you?' the lady asks, now standing before him. "'Uh, who?' "'The future queen, duh!' she responds, hiccuping and then pushing the hair away from her face, revealing Beth underneath. "'Beth, what are you doing?' Reuben inquires kindly, now knowing who the lady is. "'Asking you a question,' she stutters. "'Beth, have you been drinking?' Reuben asked, sincerely worried. I can hold my liquor, she states, straightening up with confidence. You do know elven wine is three times more potent than any of the stuff found in Bursch or Garvin, right? Reuben points out with a smile creeping across his face. Pfft. <sighs> I only had one drink. One which is equivalent to three large glasses where we're from, he tries to explain as he rolls his eyes at his tipsy friend. Three? As many as that? Beth tries to count her fingers. Yep, it's time for bed, Ruben exclaims, picking up Beth as she lays her head over his shoulder. Oh, isn't that a little fast? she asks, surprised while wrapping her arms around his neck. Hey, you never asked my question. Yes, I think she's very attractive, he states plainly. I knew it, Beth admits, a bit disappointed. It's her boobs, huh? What? No, he quickly responds. Well, if you like her so much, why don't you carry her to bed? Beth yells, disturbing the many people coming and going through the halls. Because she isn't my friend, Reuben whispers, trying not to rouse any suspicions. He hee he, Beth laughs as she tightens her arms around Reuben's shoulders. "'Where are we going?' (laughs) she asks with a hiccup. "'You are going to bed so you don't get in any trouble.' "'Me? In trouble? How?' Beth asks, unconvinced. "'You're drunk. Anything could happen.' "'Drunk I'm not.' "'Really. Say the alphabet backward, then.' "'I don't know the backward alphabet is,' she admits with a giggle. "'It's the normal alphabet. Just said backward,' Ruben explains.' Whoa, that's really cool. Whoever came up with it is a genius. She giggles as Reuben carries her upstairs. Are you going to take me to bed? To your bed, yes. <laughs> she snickers. Reuben stops in front of her room, messing with a lever and trying to open it. Upon opening the door, he finds the room dark with only moonlight coloring the room. Laying Beth on one of the two beds in the room, he unlaces her sandals and, using a damp rag, he quickly washes her face, then her feet, before pulling the covers over her. Looking upon his friend's face, he bends over and gently kisses her forehead. "'I love you,' Beth mutters as she drifts to sleep, watching as Reuben quietly strolls out of the room. "'Those girls can be quite a handful sometimes,' Reuben mumbles to himself as he shakes his head. "'Wait, girls,' he ponders for a moment. Tatiana! Reuben gasps, realizing he still has a missing friend. A soldier's work is never done, Reuben sighs, slipping his hands into his pockets before his quest to find the other friend begins. Reuben heads down the flight of stairs in a hurry, wondering how Beth even got any alcohol in the first place. He heads for the first logical place, the kitchen. Nothing. Searching throughout the kitchen, he can't find a single clue as to Tatiana's whereabouts or how Beth got any liquor. Turning around, he begins to head out of the room, when the palace doors to the main lobby open. Wow, humans do not hold alcohol well, Artemis laughs, as she and Sane step into the palace, Sane carrying a limp Tatiana in with him. Did Beth make it back yet? She said she needed to talk to you, Sane asks, trying to remember the girl's name. Yes, and don't ever let her wander off alone while drunk again, Reuben states fiercely. Oh no, Artemis begins to smile. The alcohol must have kicked in on the way here. I'm glad she made it back safely, Sane adds, feeling relieved. Tatiana hiccups loudly, still completely limp. Here's your friend, Sane holds out the girl toward Reuben. I don't want her, just take her upstairs, he suggests instead. But Sane just stands there holding the limp girl. Apparently the alcohol didn't take immediate effect. It wasn't until halfway here this girl became intoxicated, Sane explains apologetically. How was your day, Artemis? asks him. Uneventful, Reuben answers, reluctantly taking Tatiana from Sane. If we weren't having a girls' day, we would have brought you along, she informs him. Really, Reuben makes note that Sane went along. He's my personal guard as well as my suitor, so he doesn't count. Thanks, Sane grumbles as he heads for the stairs. I should take Tatiana to her room, Reuben states. I'll see you tomorrow, then, Reuben. Artemis says, watching as he carries Tatiana up to her room. The following morning, Reuben wakes up early and makes both girls coffee with a hint of poplick root, something to help with the headaches. The coffee beans and poplin root are crushed and poured into a tea bag to brew. Its aroma flutters down the hallway as he makes his way to their room. Carefully, he opens the door and tiptoes into the room, careful not to wake his two sleeping friends. Setting the two cups of coffee down on the table between their beds, Reuben allows the girls to wake up to its delicate yet complex aroma simmering low in the air. Quickly leaving the room, he finds Than just about to knock on the door. A huge smile creeps across Than's face as Reuben shuts the door behind him. Just as he's about to comment on how bad the situation looks with Reuben leaving the girls' quarters early in the morning, Reuben stops him. Don't say a word about what you're thinking or I'll cut your tongue out. I brought them coffee, that is all. If you say so, Than starts whistling as he follows Reuben downstairs for breakfast. Hypothetically, Than begins to say, Such a big word coming from a little dwarf, Reuben interrupts, already irritated at his friend's perverse mind. Why would you bring them coffee so early, Than continues, ignoring Reuben. They were given elven wine last night. Than whistles in surprise. They didn't know how potent it was. Nope. How'd I miss that? painkillers i assume damn dan shakes his head in disappointment once the two girls awaken they are greeted with a raging headache and two deliciously brewed cups of coffee which helps kick the edge off the headache but doesn't stop them entirely neither girl can remember the night before just as the outfits they picked out with artemis fear of what they may have said or done keeps them from asking about the previous night Thank you for listening to The Legend of Azarus, Dragonborn, written by Corey E. Slain. If you like this content, consider buying a physical copy on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. Also, you can become a supporter. Support the podcast with a small monthly donation to sustain future episodes. Thanks again for listening, and tune in next time for more chapters of The Legend of Azarus, Dragonborn.